0: Today on Locked On Red Wings, Zetterberg and Osgood snubbed for the Hall of Fame again, but Mike Vernon makes it in. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily JAWWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's the host over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKED ON NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Scotty, 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 today we got a couple things to go through. In this episode, when we got to break down the Iserman press conference, the pre-draft press conference that was held on Tuesday, Uh, we recorded with Steve Ellis on Tuesday, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. So here we are two days later talking about it, uh, as well as breaking down who did and did not make it into the NHL Hall of Fame this year around. And uh, and if people are watching on YouTube, they can clearly see who did and did not, as far as uh, Red Wing alumni go. Bro, Scottie. we had a
1: cold open.
0: Yeah, and we had a cold open that too. That does help.
1: <laughs> the audio people already know too. <laughs> yeah, that
0: too. Uh so Scotty, to begin with when talking about the the press conference, I guess my first uh question for you in regards to it man is like what were your thoughts because I've come to just like when watching Steve Eiserman press conferences, I just don't really get a whole lot out of them anymore.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's um
0: I I feel the same way about when he
1: speaks that I do when like Scott Harris of the Tiger speaks where it's just like neither of them talk like super often and when they do talk they don't actually say anything but they're so important to the organization that it's still news like that's that's pretty much where I'm at like obviously it's news these this is the guy running the show he's and even on top of just, like, a normal GM situation, I mean, he's one of the most iconic figures in the history of the city. Like, that that's obviously all true, but um, he doesn't actually ever say anything. Uh, but he also has this really impressive way of saying how do I word it? Talking a lot without saying anything. Like yeah. you believe you're hearing something. Like you're like, oh wow, that's really insightful. Thanks. Like he really gave me a peek behind the curtain. And then you sit with the quotes after and you're like, wait a minute, this is nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. This is, this isn't actually anything. I, I, I just got punked. So like, that's, that's kind of what it feels like. And, and that's, we, we have known ever since Iserman took over that he runs an incredibly tight ship where like no information ever comes out of that front office before uh, it it is intended to. Um, So it's nothing, none of it's a surprise, but like, yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts were like, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Like this is, this is about what I expected a a June, whatever it was, 19th press conference to sound like.
0: Well, I mean, first of all, the press conference was completely out of nowhere. I I didn't, I don't remember if he had this last year ahead of the draft. Um, I can't for the life of me. Remember I could probably go back and check really easily, but I'm not going to do that. I think that there just wasn't. I, I agree with you when he ta- talks, he doesn't say a whole lot of anything. And so when I say that I don't get a lot out of these press conferences, I don't mean that with like a negative connotation. I want my general manager to run a tight ship. I want my general manager yeah. to keep everything close to the chest. Like that's, I'm not complaining about that because if you were to go out there and be like, yeah, I'm going to trade the picks then that lose those picks lose their value because other teams are going to know he's looking sure. to trade, and I mean that leads Hold me to my market. second yeah exactly, and that leads me to my second question for you, Scotty, and that's like when he says he's right now he's looking to make picks nine and seventeen. Do you, do you take that serious or do you think oh, that's just Steve Eisman being Steve Iserman and just he he's either lying through his teeth or just he's not going to show you what he actually thinks.
1: No, no, no. You see, he did the. Uh... He did the, the like classic, either way it's not technically a lie. Pay attention to the wording very closely. He, he said, at this moment. He said, like not right now. He said, as it stands right now, I plan on making both picks. That implies that if someone was to swoop in and they were to, to build a deal that benefited the wings that would involve getting rid of 17, that he would still take it. At no point was he like, we're not trading the picks or like trading 17 wouldn't be worth the value. He just said, as it stands right now, I view us picking at both slots. I believe him in the sense of, I think if the draft was today, that means that they would pick at both spots because I I believe that that means they're not particularly close on anything, but that doesn't mean that as we get closer to the draft or even, I mean, if you want to get real crazy and say on draft night, if somebody was to swoop in and give him a crazy offer for, you know, a 30, 35 NHL goal score for that involved 17 and, and, and some more capital that Steve would be like, no, like, no, thanks. We're really good with 17. That's what we want. I feel like that's again, like he didn't really say anything there to me like that, that, that wasn't really anything. He, he, He's not lying no matter what he does is how I took it.
0: Well, yeah, that's just again. That's why when it comes to these press conferences with Steve Eisman, it really comes down to his actions, not his words, because he's never going to give you that, you know, Pulitzer right. winning soundbite that every one of these sports journalists are, are craving because he's just not that he's not a soundbite guy. And it can be incredibly frustrating as a fan. Uh, to hear like, just, it's like the same thing. We had the same problem with Matthew Stafford when he was the quarterback of the Detroit Lions. Right. Like Matthew Stafford is really good at just hemming and hawing and not saying anything. Now, Eisenman doesn't him and haw nearly as much. He, he says things. He just doesn't say anything with substance. And that's intentional. So from like a fan perspective, it, it can be frustrating because you want to hear your general manager say things about the team that you, you are have you looking forward to. But from the aspect of like, okay, he's the general manager, and he has got to do what's best for the team. It makes sense, too, that he would be careful not to not to say too much. The one thing that I thought was interesting that he did say was regarding the core, and he did say that he doesn't think that the core is there yet to compete, which isn't a hot take by any stretch of the imagination, but it is interesting to, to, to kind of get a glimpse, maybe a small glimpse behind the curtain, as to what he views of... The current core of, what would you say, Larkin, Raymond, and Sider is really what the core is right now? Well, I, I I mean, I, broken record. Like, if you're an everyday listener, I'm sorry.
1: But, like, I don't think the core is finalized until there's a legitimate 40-ish goal threat. Like, I, I, I don't. I, I don't think that you can say that the championship core is in place without having a legi- legitimate goal score anywhere in it. I, I I think that that's that's not only the team's biggest need; it's a necessity. It, it is a a must. It, it, there's no there's no arguing around it. I, I I I just I find it really hard to believe that anybody is going to look at this roster and be like, oh yeah, like the the core, or however big you think the core is, whether you think it's only two people or four people or five people. Like I, I find it hard to believe that that you can look at this personnel and be like, yeah, this. You know this core is in place. To, uh, if they just stay the course, they're just going to keep getting better and win. Like no, you you have to add more goal scoring. You yeah. You you have to. So I uh, I like you said, not a hot take, not not surprised by it really, but just kind of highlighting and and really like shouting from the rooftops. Like this core is not a core until there is a legitimate goal scoring threat. Yeah. and then eye
0: somebody eye. will ask him to uh, you know kind of to contradict the you know at this point we're looking to take 9 and 17 right uh someone would ask him about a trade and he'd go well yeah we'll explore trade if it's there and it's like right. that's just how he is so I, I mean i hear people and i see people online t- making a big deal about the fact that he always oh, he, he won't move 9 and 17 and it's like you said like look really closely at the wording did he actually commit to that or did he just say at this moment Like he's not going to go out there and say, "Yeah, I'm working on a deal right now." That's just not how it works. So that's why, again, like I go back to how we started this segment, Scotty, and just, and that's why we're only going to do one segment on the Steve Eisman press conference. He talked for like what an hour and a half or something crazy like that, maybe forty-five minutes to an hour and a half. But it's like there's not a lot to be gleamed off what he says because he's so good at not saying anything at all in all that time. So it's just not—it's not really worth. 30 minutes of our time.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> cool. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the hall of fame. Uh, and, Cause they announced their new inductees and some former Red Wings got in and some former Red Wings did not. And we're going to talk about how we feel. So stay tuned to locked on Red Wings. But first I got to talk to you guys today about game time. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets Right up to the day of the event, get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, hockey, all those things that you love. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time, will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress using GameTime. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. Segment two, Locked On Red Wings Podcast. Scotty and I are going to transition now into talking about. The uh, NHL Hall of Fame, but before we get into that, shout out to the Lockdown NHL. Right now, there are they are revealing the Locked On hosts mock draft for the obviously the NHL because it's Lockdown NHL. They did picks one through ten on Wednesday. You're gonna do eleven through twenty on Thursday, and then finishing up with the last twelve picks, twenty one through thirty two on. Friday and then they'll release all of them on social media on Friday as well via a graphic and you guys can check out who Scotty and I picked for the Detroit Red Wings at nine and 17, you know, assuming that those picks stay in Detroit's hands. (laughs) Yes. So Scotty let's transition now for real this time into the hockey hall of fame. And today a few players got in for I'm sorry. I'm looking for the list and the whole page refreshed. A whole so lot of we'll goalies. just go off a whole lot of goalies got in. <laughs> so we'll just go off the guys we know first. Well, I try to pull up that list. And first of all, Scotty, Mike Vernon got in from a Detroit Red Wing, won the Conn Smythe with the Red Wings in what, 1997 when they won that Stanley cup, uh, two-time cup winner. Uh, he, I think a lot of people are going to look at his statistics and immediately kind of, like, take a step back because he only had a career save percentage of 889. And people are going to say, wow, a goaltender with a save percentage of 889 made it into the Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, even with the fact that he had won two cups, was an all-star once and had a con Smythe and a Jennings, like an 889 save percentage is not all that impressive. And he didn't even have that 400 win mark. But you have to also remember that scoring was screwy in the prime of his career. Like save percentages were down a lot when Mike Vernon played. So 889 is actually not a bad save percentage given the era that he played in. It was actually almost dominant in some years. So, you know, I I have my I don't have a problem with Mike Vernon getting in. I just have more of a problem with the guys who didn't get in. What are your thoughts, man?
1: I fully support Vernon getting in, honestly, and and
0: you you already mentioned
1: a few of the things that uh, some people are kind of scratching their head about, just numbers wise. But you also have to remember that, uh, to your point, like save percentages were way down, obviously. But um, like for instance, his eighty eight eighty nine season, he led the NHL in wins. He went thirty seven and six. Okay, in regulation wins and losses. And he was the runner up for the Vesna with an 897 save percentage. 2.6 goals against average was an 897 save percentage. Um, and even in like all of his, you know, like Vesna vote getting seasons, uh, I mean, consistently like like this, he had fourth for the Vesna this year and at an 877 in in the late 80s like it's just kind of an era's thing more than anything else and you know like yes he, he never took home a vesna but uh i mean in the same breath i mean this dude was getting votes pretty consistently from age 23 until age 34 he, like most years not all but most of those years he was getting a top 10 vesna finish and had a, a handful of top five finishes including obviously I just mentioned the runner up here. So it's not like he was just some like above average goalie for a long time and made it like, don't get it twisted. Like this was a, a, a premier goalie in the NHL for, for probably about a decade, if not longer. And then obviously you add in, you know, the, the hockey is a big sport uh, with like lore. Right. And, and you add the, the, the Smythe right in the postseason run with Detroit in 96, 97. and, just like all of that, I mean, he he really, uh, I I have zero issue with it, and I know people you know say what they will about the save percentage and whatnot, but um, I, I don't know, at thirty six in two thousand, he had a save percentage of like nine seventeen. So like like <laughs> like it's just like what like it's it, it, you really can just point to like eras and just like how certain players performed in you know, look, look at the other goalie stats from from around the league. And if you even take the stats out of it and just do kind of where he fell in, you know, the best goalies in the league candidate, Well, he may have never been like the bona fide 1-1 goalie, um, A, the Hall of Fame is not only for like the, the best like players at each position ever, and B, like I said, he, he was pretty consistently getting votes for for the Vesna for the better part of a decade
0: yeah and again like I don't have an issue with him getting in it's more about the guys who didn't get in like Tom I, I Tom, agree with ba- that Tom Barsaro Barsaro Barrasso sorry Tom Barrasso did get in and you know his numbers are similar to Mike Vernon's he did win a Vesna, but like and you when you era adjust them their numbers statistically are very similar to Chris Osgood's and Chris Osgood didn't get in Curtis Joseph didn't get in Curtis Joseph Curtis Joseph rather had a save percentage of nine Oh six across his career. And like the big thing against Cujo is he never had the, the awards that some of these other goalies right. did, but you got to also remember like the competition for those awards was tough in the nineties the and the two thousands. I mean, you're playing against an arrow that had Dominic Hasek and Patrick Wah going into the early years of uh, Lundquist and Carey price. Like he played in a goalie dominant era And he didn't get in despite having a a really solid individual statistic career. It's just he doesn't have the trophy case to show for it. And it just is really weird how sometimes these teams will or these committees will will rely so much more heavily on, you know, statistics. But then for other players, it's all about the award case. I mean, we talked last year about the fact that the Sedin twins got in. You know, and they had some individual awards, but they never won the Stanley Cup. Daniel Alfredson made it in. He had some individual awards, but never got the Stanley Cup. But like guys like Henrik Zetterberg who have, you know, not not groundbreaking numbers, but also have a ton of awards and international awards to show for it. Don't get in. And this is year two of Henrik Zetterberg not getting in. And so it's just the inconsistency that 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 drives me nuts. I think I agree. So here's the thing. When people talk about Chris Osgood, I get and I actually agree with that he is Hall of very good material. And if this was a perfect, like Stanley or uh, Hall of Fame caliber, like Hall of Fame, like where it's really strict on who gets in, kind of like the MLB, where it's really strict on who gets in, and I have no. The
1: most, strict.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like, I would have no problem with him not getting in. But when you compare goalies who are getting in, Goalies who even era adjusted have very similar stats, but then you also have the fact that Chris Osgood had three Stanley Cups and two Jennings trophies. It's like, why? What is keeping Osgood out? Is it just the mindset that he played behind some really good Detroit Red Wings teams? But like, I feel like that diminishes the fact that he still had to put up good numbers to win those cups. Like in 07 08, he had a 9 14 save percentage that year. Like, you don't get a 9 14 save percentage because the team in front of you is great. You still have to make those saves. I don't. It's just, it, it blows my mind. He's had a career 905 save percentage, which is pretty dang good. And then he had all the individual, he had all the awards to go with it, the trophy case to go with it. And he, he still maintains, he still stays out when other goalies with lesser awards and lesser statistics get in.
1: Yeah, I mean, really the, the thing for Ozzy, I mean, we can go to break really quick because I don't want to ramble into, you know, like the 22, 23 minute mark. But I, I think his is more of just, like defining true peak and i and i i think that he was unbelievably consistent for 14 years but i don't think he he really ever had like the the defined like oh at his peak this dude was you know reached these heights um which i'm not saying that should automatically remove him from hall discussion or not i'm just saying that's what i think it is
0: yeah that's fair uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about who got in, who got out. I have the list now, so when we come back to segment three, I'll, I'll tell you definitively who made it in. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about bird dogs, guys. I've been talking to you guys a ton about these bird dog shorts. I love them so much. I'm they wearing mine like... right now. Are you really? I Is literally it... have mine on right Why don't you show now. Show the people kidding. what you're wearing, man. Let us see a little bit of that thigh.
1: Uh, I'm wearing the. I mean, they're they're
0: gray. Are they like the gym short ones? The more polyester. Yeah, one?
1: yeah, the the gray and like the like the the i don't know like sea foam green almost
0: turquoise maybe in line
1: yeah 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 i really like them
0: yeah they're comfortable and you can they're wear very them comfortable. i you wore can- them out
1: to dinner and yeah and comfortable like dressed appropriately still Wore them swimming earlier in the week, too. They're like the most versatile thing I've ever owned. <laughs> you can
0: wear them to record a podcast as well. Right. So go to birddogs.com slash lockdown NHL for a free Yeti style Tumblr with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lockdown NHL for a free Yeti style Tumblr. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Segment three, Locked On Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are talking about the Hall of Fame. Before we get back into the conversation, just definitively now that I got it up, the Hall of Fame class def- uh, was Henrik Lundqvist. Got no qualms with that. I know he doesn't have the Stanley Cup, but man, was he dominant his entire career. Uh, I think his career save percentage was like nine eighteen. It's insane. Like how do you- a career save percentage of nine eighteen? That's that's nutty. Uh, Tom Barrasso, Pierre Turgeon, Mike Vernon, Carolyn Oulette. Ken Hitchcock, the coach, as a builder, and GM Pierre LaCroix, LaCroix as a builder. Oh, pronunciations are so fun. Can so,
1: I just let's go just go through Lundquist's peak, just not peak. Like, honestly, this is like the first, like, from 06, 07 all the way until. okay? This is age 24 to 34, basically, okay? Not even stats or anything. He led the league in shutouts twice, like had a save percentage anywhere from 9-12 all the way to the 11-12 season when it was 9-30 with a sub two goals against average. Like all of that's mixed in there, but even stats aside, okay? Just Vesna finishes. Actually, let's just start his rookie year, okay? As a rookie at 23 years old, Third, 24, third, third, sixth, sixth, fourth, first, second, sixth, fifth, then didn't get any Vesna votes in 15, 16, but got Hart votes. Yeah, That is the first 12, 11 years of Eric Lumsquist's career.
0: I, I got to check out who won the Veznas in those years because a 920 save percentage and not even getting like finishing on the ballot for the Vezna. With a 920 save percentage uh, 15, and 1516. That is insane to me. Yeah. But getting heart me. votes. So
1: the 1516. Uh, I have it right in front of me here. 1516. Vesno went to Brayden Holpe, who almost won it unanimously, was four votes away from a unanimous win, had a nine twenty two save percentage a two two goals against average, went forty eight and nine. It'll do it. So that will do it, but him not even getting down ballot votes is 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 preposterous here. Yeah, that's that is preposterous.
0: Uh, Scotty, you want to talk about Henrik Zetterberg a little bit? I would love to. You want to lead us off here, buddy?
1: Yeah, you know, I I it's tough. I so if you go back to last year, I didn't expect Z to get in on the first ballot um, as somebody who has. Uh, obviously followed hockey for a long time, but also is very like in the baseball world. Some people just really hold like the first ballot thing really, really high and are just like, Oh, first ballots are reserved for certain people. Like you, you know, I'll I'll vote for you for the next eight years or nine years after your first ballot, but I won't vote for you on your first ballot kind of thing. So I, I really never expected him to get in on his first year on the ballot this year was a little bit more surprising to me. I was, I, I was expecting uh, expecting might be too strong of a word. I did think he was going to get in. Uh, I still do believe he's going to get in. Um, but it also in the same breath, it, it, like every time I hear the news it is not like the most shocking thing in the world to me either. He's just, it, it's, it's, I don't know if it's just like the Detroit versus everybody mentality that just like, I have like predetermined in my brain, but like, I I and like admittedly, if you aren't a Red Wings fan and you're just and you're just looking at stat sheets, it is a closer to a fringe case than a slam dunk case. Like if you're just saying which one is it closer to from those two, um, but I, I still don't believe that there's any reason he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, and I still think he will be at some point. Uh, I, I mean, d- did he reach a thousand points? No. Like, does he have like the I mean, like 337 goals in his career, like really solid total, like eclipsing 300s is a big deal, but like he's not like a four or 500 goal score or anything like that. Um, but I mean, if you just look through the trophy case that he has, I, I there's some players I, I, I say this about, um, and in, in any sport, the hall of fame in every sport its job is to preserve the history and tell the story of that sport and I think it is impossible and a disservice to everybody who is trying to learn the history of hockey to not have Henrik Zetterberg in that story I think that he's again like despite the the lack of like the top end stats that some of these other people have. I think it's impossible to tell the story of the NHL without having a, a little bit of Bud Z in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I, Henry Zetterberg is another one of those guys. Like if, if this was a hall of fame in the purest sense of the, the phrase, I wouldn't necessarily have a qualm with Zetterberg being left out in the hall of very good type conversation, but because the NHL hall of fame is such a joke and like everybody gets in, you look at some of the players that get in and again, I, I'll i continue to bring up guys who got, got, got in above. And we were told last year that like, it's, you know, Daniel Alfredson waited his turn. And so Henry Zetterberg has to wait his turn. And I just feel like this was going to be the year. I was like, okay, it's year two. It's not the year one mm-hmm. elitist anymore. But he just still did not get in. And I, I know he didn't get the 1,000 points. He had 960 points in 1,082 games. But that's still like nearly a point per game his entire career. Yeah. And every single year, he played almost every single game, except for the two, one, the lockout year, which was shortened. And then his injury year in 2013, 2014, outside that, he didn't play less than 60 games the rest of his career. Like he's incredibly consistent, always in there. There's only one year where he didn't finish in any voting for any award. Like he was always in the conversation. Right. Yeah. yeah. and, And not even just like one, like,
1: I mean, like 07, 08, he received votes for like, six different awards. <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's it's not like it's it's like, oh, like every year he's like a down ballot, you know, like, oh, was an all-star reserve and didn't make it. Or like, oh, like every year he's like the, you know, 50th in voting for the Bing or whatever. Like, no, like he's he's pretty consistently getting votes in like three to five awards for every single year from age 26 to until the injury, really.
0: I mean, take the year that they won the Stanley Cup, for instance. Obviously we know that he won the con smythe but he also finished uh he finished 5th in the uh, lady bing voting finished 10th in the hart trophy voting and finished 3rd in the selkie so it's like he's constantly in the conversation for all these awards he would always just come up short i mean the hell the calder trophy is the 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 pinnacle of that debate the year he was a rookie he got robbed of the uh, of the of the calder trophy he should have won that but Barrett Jackman won that. And what did he end up doing in his career? Jack. So it's like, <laughs> and I mean, I know that Calder trophy. You can't predict what they're going to do later. But I mean, I think, I think most people think that Henry Zetterberg was the better rookie that year. And he, he did not win. And it's just, it, it's frustrating. Scotty, it's also frustrating when a player who so, so deservedly to, who so deserves to get in, does not get in and there was another player on this ballot that never played for the Red Wings but absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame that's Alexander McGilney and he won the Lady Bing trophy the year that Zetterberg got robbed of the Calder McGilney i don't know what this guy has to do to get in he won a Stanley Cup two time all-star is a lady byng winner had 100 or 1032 points in 990 games played i mean he has basically a very similar resume to some of the other forwards that get in in fact a better resume than guys like you know, Alfredson again or Marion Hosa. Marion Hosa got in last year with 1,134 points and in 1,300 games played. He was a three time cup winner, one all, he was on the all rookie team and on one all star team. McGilney has won a Lady Bing, won a Stanley Cup, and has been on two all star team, All Star teams. Like the numbers and the point totals are comparable. Like his, I know obviously Hosa has a higher point total and McGillney has a lower, but he, McGillney didn't play a thousand games and he had all over a thousand points.
1: Yeah. I, I mean the whole, the, I'm not sure how he's not in either. Just listen, listen to this. Okay. So, and obviously this is like peak, this is not like he wasn't doing this every single season, but I mean, he still was a, was a very solid, you know, goal scorer there in his peak. But if you're just looking at the top, I mean, pick a number 10, Okay. Single season records, not the right word. How do I word this? The top 10 goal scoring seasons in NHL history. Okay. Number one, obviously Gretzky. Number two, Gretzky. Okay. Obviously, Gretzky's in the Hall of Fame. Three, Brett Hull, Hall of Fame. Four, Mario Lemieux, Hall of Fame. Uh, Sorry, I lost my spot.
0: He had like 76 goals. Sorry,
1: Esposito, five. 76 goals, Hall of Fame. Um, Now we have Alexander, 76-goal season he had in 92-93, not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Also tied with him, Timu, Hall of Fame. And we have Gretzky again, Hall of Fame, Brett Hull, Hall of Fame, Red Gretzky, Hall of Fame. So in the top 10, greatest goal-scoring seasons in the history of hockey, the only person – who has recorded a 71-goal season or better in the history of hockey, there's only one that is not represented in the Hall of Fame, and that
0: is him. Yep. It's also insane to me that in that year he had 76 goals scored. He didn't even finish in the Hart Memorial. Yeah, he didn't get a conference. vote. For he didn't get heart. a single vote. because had 127 Lemieux, points. Mario Lemieux had 160. Doug Gilmore had 127. This is why, guys, this is why we're talking, to about how, like, we talk about this is what we mean when we talk about Mike Vernon's save percentage. You had guys like Mario Lemieux with 160 points, Doug Gilmer with 127, Pat Lafontaine 148, Adam Oates with 140. Like scoring was insane back then. So, yeah, um, yeah. I just, man, Chris Chelios finished seventh that year. Seven, 73 points from the back end. That'll, that'll do it. Uh, at 31 years old, it's always interesting going back in time. All right, Scott, you got any final thoughts? We ball. We do ball. We're back with a new episode tomorrow. We have a episode. We're in uh, recording with Scott Wheeler of the athletic. He's going to help us preview two more prospects. So stay tuned for that. Same time, same place. It's your team. Every day. Every day.